Amen. It is my privilege to introduce you to our pastoral candidate, uh, Chris Langham. And when the board, yeah, yeah, come on. When, when the board interviewed Chris, and after it, everything was said and done, one thing that we recognized immediately was that he has a servant's heart. I didn't know what he was going to say. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and, and, and that's what struck us most in what he does. If you read his bio, and uh, he works a full-time job and preaches at three churches, one up in Canaan and the other two are in Mount Erie. Yes, sir. And another thing, Chris had to come a real long way to be with us this morning. I think he was about five or six minutes away. Okay. Lives yeah. over on Highway 66. He's a local, and... Ken Van Hoy coached uh, Chris in Little League Baseball. And so they had a sort of a little reunion this morning, and both of them teared up about it. Uh, we, we did, and, yeah. and unlike Coach K last night, <laughs> we won everything they that won year. They won everything, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry for you Duke fans, <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it is. But we are honored to have him here and his family Renee and his older son Dylan, and we got Paul Paul with us too, yeah. Harris. Yeah. yeah. So, and after this, uh, we're going over and have fellowship in the fellowship hall and have a meal. You know, us Wesleyans use any excuse we can to <laughs> eat. You know, so we're going to do that. So everybody, be sure to come up and talk to them and introduce yourselves. And once again, we appreciate you being well, here. Well, I, Thank I you feel so very much. blessed to be here, and I'm going to transition right, so I can get set up and. Thank you so much for that welcome, Glenn. I wasn't sure what you was going to say that after you had met us, met me, um, one thing stood out. I thought, man, you know, did, did I stink that night? Did I, you know, whoo. So, no, I, I'm very, very humbled to be here with you this morning. And, and uh, I've got a little bit of uh, nervousness going on, which is uh, exciting uh, because I don't get stage fright too much. And so it's kind of exciting that I have a little nervous energy and I'm, I'm excited to be here. And, and thank you so much for inviting us here. As Glenn shared, um, being just six minutes away, um, I made a decision to, we made a decision to uh, uh, turn down our appointment that uh, we had already been given the nod for uh, where we're at. And, and we've been praying for God to open up what was next. And uh, and just to even be here six minutes from the house is uh, humbling, even if it's nothing more to, but to visit with you today. And you know, I did get a little bit nervous uh, as I started thinking about it. And I was like, man, what am I doing? Oh, April 3rd, that's right around the corner. And you, know, you started having those second thoughts. And then Glenn told me that we were going to have fried chicken today. So I thought, man, I got to go. So, uh, and Mary even uh, told me that that's where she was going to, she goes, now I'm not slipping out on you. I got to go get the fried chicken. So it's wonderful to be here. So as I start my message today, if, if you allow me to, I'm, I'm going to kind of set the stage a little bit before we get to our main scripture reading. And we're going to be talking about, spoiler alert, if none of you have ever heard about this miracle, 
We're going to be talking about where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So if you've never heard about that, at the end of our scripture, he does raise him from the dead. He does bring him back. And, and this is actually set in Bethany. And uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of cool uh, that we're, we're talking about it here today. But much of the exchange that I'm not actually going to read is between Jesus and his disciples. And they're going kind of back and forth. You see, they've, they've sent some messengers to Jesus, and he was, he was only about two miles away. They sent some messengers to Jesus and said, Hey, your friend Lazarus is very sick. Please come, Jesus. And Jesus kind of stalls a little bit. This is Jesus' 33rd or 34th miracle, the scholars tell us. And it really depends on if you include his birth as his first miracle. And his disciples were like, no, Jesus, we can't go there. That's where they're trying to stone you. And he was like, but our friend Lazarus is asleep. When they sent, it said, so the two sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, the word love in the scriptures here, there's many different translations for love that's used throughout the scriptures. This particular love is agape love meaning total love. These were not just random people that, that Jesus came in contact with on the street. Now, I think God, Jesus loves all of us with agape love. But in this setting, these were some of Jesus' closest friends that were saying, Jesus, come help. Lazarus is sick. And once he decides to, to go back and he says, our friend is asleep, his disciples are like, Jesus, no, if he's sleeping, he's good. Let him sleep it off. He's going to get better. Finally, Jesus has to get, get really blunt with them and plain like he had to do with, with the disciples at the time. He just had to literally spell it out to the letter. Lazarus is dead, Jesus says. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now, I find it amazing after everything that they've been through with Jesus, after all the miracles that they have witnessed, and we're coming to the end of Jesus' ministry here, he is getting closer and closer to that cross. So he's being a lot more matter-of-fact with them, but they still don't get it. They're looking for a Messiah that was to come and, and take over. They're looking for a Messiah that was supposed to sit on the throne of Israel in their day to knock out that Roman rule. In our day and time, we would say they were looking for a warrior king to come in and take names. That's, what not, that's not what Jesus was coming for. And they still hadn't put all of those pieces together. Now, he arrives in Bethany, and, and this would have been somewhat of a chaotic scene. We, we don't have funerals too often that, that are like this. This is four days after Lazarus has died. He's, he's already in his burial place. He's in the tomb, and, and the stones already covered him. So it's been four days since he's died. But there still would have been a lot of people there. By the fourth day after we buried someone, everybody's kind of faded out. Not in that day of time. They would have still been there mourning and wailing. You, you know that they actually had professional mourners back then? They used to pay people to come and mourn. It still goes on today. There's actually, and, and if you can believe the internet, there's actually a funeral home in Texas. 
that you can call up and say, hey, um, we, we'd like a few extra mourners at our funeral. Can, can you send us some mourners over? I mean, we can't even imagine. I mean, can you imagine calling? Uh, I guess, Cumby. Uh, I guess we, we would like to uh, order um, uh, a few mourners. Uncle Willie has, has passed away. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we don't want the super deluxe package that we had for Grandma. This is just Uncle Willie. We just need a couple of people to cry on his behalf. I mean, we can't even imagine what that would have been like. It would have just been crazy and chaotic. There was a lot of people there. This is one of the most dramatic scenes in the Bible, in my opinion. So much going on, and his, his closest friends are upset. And I think it's on purpose. I think God has choreographed this some 2,000 years before so we can read it today and realize exactly what is happening. The gravity of the moment, if you will, what our Lord has to go through. So as we go to our scripture this morning, I fear sometimes that we read these stories in the Bible and they're like fairy tales. You know, we're going to talk about Lazarus being raised from the dead. I can remember teaching this to, to kids in, in the youth ministry, and, and we had pictures of Lazarus as a zombie, and, and all the kids would laugh about it. You know, we, we kind of turned some of these stories that's in this wonderful book as fairy tales, but it's real life. What they were experiencing, the heartache that they were experiencing at the loss of their brother Lazarus was real. And then at the end, there most assuredly was tears of joy and excitement of what had happened. So as we read this today, and we hear somebody pleading, or we hear that someone's been raised from the dead, think about what it would have been like in that moment. Think about if we would have been one of the people in that crowd. So I'm reading from John Chapter 11, starting at verse 17, and we're going to continue through verse 43. And this is the word of God. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah and the Son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you 
When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing around here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Allow me to say a quick prayer there. This is the word of God. And Lord, we just thank you so much for this gift. Lord, I know that your presence is upon us here this morning. Give us the wisdom to hear your words, to learn from your words. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned before, I worry that we sometimes we just kind of gloss over some of these amazing stories. And it's just like a, a fairy tale. He asked Martha, do you believe this? She goes running to him. Had only you been here, Lord. She believed that he had God given power. She believed that he was of the spirit. She had to. I mean, they were good friends. There's probably countless times that, that things that he shared with them that maybe others hadn't heard. But yet, she realizes, and she still seems to not get it. Continuously, Martha believes with her eyes, but her actions are always somewhere else. I'm sorry, believes with her words, but her eyes and her action are always somewhere else. She's what we call today a worrier. She's worrying about every little thing. Jesus is getting ready to perform one of the most amazing miracles in the scriptures. 
But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, Martha said. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus couldn't get any plainer than that. He could not be any clearer. Your brother will rise again. Now she's thinking, okay, uh, she's like the rest of them. This is going to be our Messiah, our warrior king. Yeah, at the end of the age, yes, we know, Lord, he'll, he'll rise again. She's almost agreeing but disagreeing. She's kind of going back and forth. And then Jesus gives to her what we hang our scriptures on, what we hang our beliefs on. If what Jesus is getting ready to say is not true, then there's no need for us to even be doing what we're doing here this morning. This is nothing more than a social club that we gather at. Coach Van Hoy used to coach the Civitans. We're nothing more than the Civitans club. If what Jesus says to her is not the gospel truth. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, church? I hope that you do. I'm worried that we treat God, and, and I'm not talking about you all because I don't know you all, so don't, don't let anything I say offend you. I don't know you yet. I'll, if you uh, ask me to come, I'll offend, offend you plenty of times later. And, but I'm worried that we treat God like a vending machine. I'm guilty of it. I get busy in my, my daily life and, and doing everything, and then all of a sudden something trips me up, and I'm like, oh, God, please help me do so-and-so. Please, God, help me do this. We only stop for our busy lives to talk to God when something seems like it may not be going right. You see, what Martha didn't realize here today in this story is that the most important thing we can do in our daily lives is glorify God in everything that we do. I don't care if you, if you dig ditches. I don't care if you drive trucks. I don't care if you're an accountant. It doesn't matter. We're supposed to do everything to glorify God. Now, I'm not saying be weird about it. You know, you're out there, man, why are you digging so if I'm glorifying God? No, don't be weird where people are like, what's wrong with that weird guy? No, it's a heart thing. It's how we go about our life and remembering that God is the most important thing in the situation. He's the most important thing in this entire event of raising Lazarus from the dead. It's about glorifying God. Jesus does all this to glorify God. He states it many times. And he's basically saying, I'm doing it again so you can believe again. How many times before you people believe is kind of what he was saying. You know, this is not the first resurrection. This is the third such resurrection that he's done. Yes, Lord, Martha replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. But again, when it comes to rolling away, that stone away, she's more concerned with what's going on around. She's more concerned with the environment. Jesus comes up and says, roll the stone away. And she's like, whoa, Lord, it's going to stink. Jesus is right there in their midst. 
I'll never get this stink out of our clothes, Lord. Please don't roll that stone away. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, if I may be so bold, I I wasn't there. And I hope that one day, uh, I've said this many times, I hope that there's a DVD room or any of you Star Trek people and they had that holodeck where they could recreate scenes in history. I hope there's a DVD room in history, in in heaven. So we can go up there and we want to see, well, what, what, what did it really look like when Lazarus was raised from the dead? I want to play and see what that is. Now, I don't know what was really going on, but I have a feeling here that when Jesus turns around to Martha, We've got this picture of Jesus as he's just nice, old, easygoing Jesus, rubbing that lamb. Now, Jesus was a man's man. And he's getting closer to the cross. He wants to make sure that nobody is missing. I feel like that he turned around. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? How many times, Martha, do I have to tell you? We see this a couple of times where Jesus gets a little frustrated with those closest to him. They should be getting it at this point. If we truly believe, if we truly put God in the center of our life, then there's going to be times that we end up just like Mary. Our response is to come and fall at the feet of Jesus. And you know what? Jesus meets us wherever we're at. We've got this altar up here, and this altar is not, not your altar. It's not my altar. altar it's Jesus' altar. It represents that we can come up here and meet him at the foot of that cross. Jesus meets us where that, and that's what Mary does. You know what's so beautiful? Do you have guilt? Do you feel like there's something that you can never be forgiven for? Jesus says, I got it. That's why that whole cross exists. I've already paid for all that. But, but you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But you know what Jesus does? Come to me. And that's exactly what Mary did. She came and fell at his feet. And she recognized that he was the most important thing in that moment. She longed for her brother to be alive again. Lord, if you'd only been here, he would be alive. And she's exactly right. He would be alive. If Jesus wanted to get there early and it would have been another miracle, he was gravely ill, he was going to die. But look, Lazarus was saved. He's healed him. But no, he chose it to do it this way. But she recognized, she fell at his feet every time that we see this Mary with Jesus. She is at his feet, recognizing that he is the most important thing in the room. Now, when Jesus went to that cross and he comes back and he, and he meets with his disciples, he said, hey, I, I'm going somewhere for a little while, but I'm going to leave you something. See, Jesus doesn't leave you empty-handed. Coming to the cross gives you more weapons than you ever had in your life to fight whatever it is. The Apostle Paul talks about it. Jesus left us the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And this is in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 
And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. That's what this cross represents. That when we come to the cross, there are times in life... See, I I get a little frustrated with some feel-good religions out there that, that preach a false gospel. Come to me... Come to Jesus, I'm sorry, come to Jesus, and everything will always be okay. You'll you'll never catch another scratch again. Well, that's just false. Nothing in this word says that if you put your faith in Jesus, that you're still not going to have struggles. But you know what you're going to have? You're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit right alongside you, working in you and through you. And there's times that we're going to come to this cross and say, Jesus, I don't even know what to pray for. Jesus said, I got that covered. That's why the Holy Spirit's still here. It says it groans on our behalf. So when we're in anguish, just like Jesus wept, that Holy Spirit is groaning on our behalf. That Holy Spirit is Jesus. It's one in the same. We have him right with us all the time, wherever we go. If we say, Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior. You know, when Jesus wept, he didn't have to weep. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that there were going to be tears of joy at the end when he raises Lazarus. He wept because he felt compassion. He wept because his heart was broken. His heart broke so much for us that he died on that cross for us. He died for you. And he died for me. And he's already paid for it all. You know, when people find out you're a pastor and and I run a lot of different circles and, man, I I don't know if God could ever forgive me. I'm like, are you crazy? God's already forgiven you. Anything that you have done, whatever it is, it's forgiven, paid for completely. All you have to do is believe it. So I don't know where this hits you today. I hope you believe. But statistics tell me, and somebody out there in the uh, YouTube world doesn't believe this. Or has been struggling to believe this. They've been kicking the tires of this whole Jesus thing. Like, are, it's just fairy tales y'all read about. Raising people from the dead. Y'all believe in a dead man? No, we believe in a risen Savior. And he's got his spirit that is alive in us today. So maybe you need rest. I'm going to share with you what is arguably my favorite passage in the Bible. And I'm bringing this to a close. And Pastor, if you would, come on up. And this is from Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So that feel-good ministry, I want to circle back to that. They are exactly right. You come to Jesus, you're going to have a feeling like you've never had before. Amen, you are. You're going to have rest like you've never had before, but you're also going to face struggles. And that's when we fall at the feet of that cross and say, Jesus, I don't even know what to do. And that's when the Holy Spirit jumps in there. I got this. I got this. It'll be rest like no other. 
And then it goes on, verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Now his yoke that he's talking about, this is an old term. It's talking about yoking the horses or the ox. And basically, you're taking the weight of it on and, and you, you, you have something that you are supposed to do with it. The yoke is believing that Jesus is the risen Savior. The yoke is believing that you can't do anything for your sins yourself. It's Jesus that forgives those sins. The yoke upon you, take, your, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Jesus isn't harsh. And humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So Jesus asked Martha, he knew why he was asking her that, because she still was worrying about everything else. Do you believe this? So church, do you believe this? And if you don't, why not? It's the most recorded thing in history ever. Eyewitness accounts. It's the most eyewitness accounts that we have recorded history ever. Why not? So if I can be so bold one more time. If you haven't, or if you're out there in the, the land of TV, somewhere in there it's got Greenwood's email address, let us know. Come to me today. Come to Pastor Tanya. How do I do this Jesus thing? Oh, that's easy. Jesus already done it for you. All you have to do is believe that he did it. And he will forgive you your sins. Amen. Let me pray for us. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. Quite frankly, these stories that are really almost too good to be true. But they are true. We thank you for this gift, Lord. I pray that if anybody here this morning is, is feeling that nudge from you, feeling that tugging, that, that prick on their heart, that maybe now's the time, then now is the time. Because we don't know what's coming around the bend. Lord, we thank you for always seeking for us. We thank you for everything that you've already done for us and the rest that you give for our souls. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing one more song.
Lord left us the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. And man, I can tell the Spirit's alive in this church this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I pray Jesus wasn't just asking Martha, do you believe this? He was asking every single one of us, do you believe this? And if we do, he comes along and protects us and keeps us. To that I say, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, may you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen. Am I not on? I'm, now I'm on. Now I can hear me. We forgot one announcement. The church vote for Pastor Chris will happen next Sunday right after service. If you will not be here, I do have absentee ballots in the office. If you will see myself or Miss Brenda, we will get that for you. But be here next Sunday for the vote. Now you are dismissed.